Let's begin with a word of prayer so we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for your word, which always guides us, teaches us something new. And Lord, in this process of ever becoming more like you, Jesus, we ask you for your encouragement. We also ask you for blessing, and we ask you, Lord, in the times where we could struggle, especially as we look at 1 Corinthians 8 with the freedoms and rights that we have, um, how to balance those for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the best example we could ever have, Lord, is in you, in you, Jesus, and how you sacrificed and served for the sake of others. So help us with that today and help us learn as we pray all this in your name. All God's people said. Amen. 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 <coughs> Ooh, sorry, my wife's stuff. <laughs> okay. This is the last Bible class for two weeks. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Nothing on Christmas Day and nothing on New Year's Day. So I'll see you January 8th. Uh-huh. I guess with that. Um, as we get started, I don't have a discussion question today, because kind of the discussion question will come a little bit later, but we're in 1 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 8. Uh, let's read verses 1 through 3. I'll start with reading it since I have it open as we get started. Paul writes, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So again, as we go into this letter of, uh, to the Corinthians, Paul writes it for two reasons, as we all know. And I say every week, the first one, there's division among you, which I must talk about. And the second reason is? Answer questions. Answer questions. Here are all the things in which you're asking me about. What question do you think he's answering in this one? Is it safe to eat food offered to idols? Is it safe to eat food offered to idols? That's exactly it. And he starts off, um, Paul almost wants to give a disclaimer in the beginning, right? He kind of gives you like a heads up. He said, knowledge puffs up and love builds up. We possess this certain knowledge, which we'll talk about in a section, in a session. Second, I'm trying to say it, sorry, as I read at the same time. Um, so knowledge only puffs up. So as I look at that, I got this straight out of the study Bible, so if you have this, you probably know what it is. Uh, knowledge puffs up versus love building up. What is the distinction Paul's making between those two? Study Bible has a great note on this. Knowledge puffs up, meaning if you have um, scriptural knowledge, which we'll talk about in a second, or any sort of knowledge, it only benefits you if you never share it. That's true, right? If you never share knowledge, it's only of a benefit to you and not to anybody else, compared to love building up. Love being for the sake of others, building others up, rather than puffing yourself up. And what would be a real-life example here? I know something you don't know. I don't know if you've ever heard that, right? You ever hear that when you're kids? I know something you don't know, and you know what? How appropriate for Christmas time. Exactly, right? How selfish. (laughs) Paul's talking about the, the knowledge in which we possess concerning food offered to idols. All of us possess the knowledge. And he'll talk, he'll unpack that a bit in, uh, from verse 4 on. But the knowledge is this, that you know there's only one true God. You know there's only one true God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you never share it, will it ever build anybody up? Not necessarily, right? To know as you ought, based on verse 1, what's the determining factor? Good, good question, because I know what that means. Um... Oh, as he ought. There we go. Yep. So if you take a look at this, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Anyone unpack that for me? What would it mean to know something 
yet known in the way that you ought to know it. And it has to do with this section right here. Knowledge puffs up and love builds up. Sounds like being in practice as a doctor, and you're in practice and you're in practice. You know, but you don't know at all. Yeah, okay. You're, you're still learning. You're in the process of still learning. Sure, in the process. Your example is also right on track for, for the other main reason, right? As a doctor, there's knowing, right? Like you said, um, like I have the book knowledge, I've gone to school, and then there's knowing as you ought, which means the execution of your practice, which is kind of what you alluded to there. And as you, as you execute your practice, especially as a doctor, it's often for the sake of who? Should be for the sake of others, right? Because you're, regardless of what work you do as a doctor or a veterinarian or even a barista <laughs> at Starbucks, anything like that, the work you do is for the sake of somebody else. I don't go, yeah, sure, I make money when I go to work, but if I go to work and make lattes, oftentimes someone else has to order a latte in order for me to make it for them. Someone needs to have, um, <coughs> you know, if someone needs to go to the doctor in order for them to have an appointment. To know as you ought means there's a difference between the knowledge that you have than actually executing that knowledge, which should be, in love, building up others. Does that make sense? So, like, Paul, and this is all a disclaimer before Paul even really answers their question says, hey, you guys already know. The thing is, you know as knowledge rather than knowing in the way you actually live it out or in execution or in the way you do it for the sake of others. Does that make sense? Because that's what everything else is about as you pull it all together after verse 3. So now let's get to the actual answer to the question that Paul has here. Can someone read verses 4 through 6 for me? Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, quote-unquote, and many lords, mm -hmm. yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through whom we exist. Excellent. Thank you. As we answer this, what is the question the Corinthians were asking in their previous letter? We already answered that. Right? Food sacrifice to idols. Right? So we have food sacrifice to idols. That's a hint from their previous letter. Now, what's the knowledge that he's referring to? The knowledge in which you possess. Because he, he outlines it here. Being in the Word. Being in the Word. And in Christ. Yeah. Right, that there is only one God. Yes. There, you know. Very good. So consider again their context a bit in Corinth, right? They have all these temples, right? Temple of Aphrodite and uh, Apollos being the two most primary. But in just Greco-Roman culture completely, it's all about this Greek God, this Egyptian God, this Roman God, this other God that we got from someplace else, Baal even. All of these different gods are, are, have these places and houses of worship. And Greco-Roman culture says, sure, worship whichever one you want. In fact, why don't we worship them all? You're bound to land on, on the right God somewhere in that mix, right? And that's kind of the danger that they're in with, in Corinth right now with Paul saying, hey, you know, you know the one true God through whom we exist, and that being Jesus Christ. You have the knowledge. Other how are other people going to view the, the Judeo-Christian God at this point? Mm -hmm. Right? They see him as just another one in the lineup. Mm -hmm. right. 
Another one, we made that reference to the Mummy movie not too long ago, right? The guy who wears the pendant, every religious pendant he has on one necklace to see which one's going to be the one that repels the, the evil and holy mummy across. No, Star David, oh wait, that one worked for some reason. But then there's this, there's this, and he does these prayers in all these different languages, thinking one of them's going to land, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that God the Father and Jesus Christ might be another one in this lineup. And Paul says, you know, right, as a true Christian, you know, there's only one true God, and all these other people who call themselves lords and gods, those are all lowercase. That's like uh, Caesar declared himself to be a god. So that people would look at it. And that's not an uncommon practice. Pharaohs did it all the way back in the times of Exodus, right? They were seen as a god in the same sense. So all these people are saying, oh, I'm a lord and I'm a god too, just like all these other gods. So he's saying Jesus Christ is not part of the lineup. And you know that even if everybody else doesn't. So this is cool. In uh, verses 5 and 6, this is the Jew you know how we have like the Apostles' Creed? You know, at, that's a declaration of our belief as Christians, as a Christian family, who we believe God is, and we say, if you um, ascribe to this, you are one with this teaching, you take this teaching as what is true about who God is and what He does, then you're a Christian. This is Christianity overall that agrees on this. There's a Jewish creed, and Paul quotes it here. I thought this was fascinating. And it's echoed in verses 5 and 6. It's from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh, that should be a capital P, Paul. But what is Paul stating? By you? It's called the Jewish Shema. As he quotes and echoes this in verses 5 and 6, who does he mention in verses 5 and 6 as well? Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus. So this is where we start getting the beginnings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being co-eternal, co-equal, all of them being God. It's an echo of the Trinity, the earliest teachings of the Trinity. And in, in this context, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned, but you have to think about Corinth at this time. Jesus wasn't that long ago. We're in 54 AD, we're talking, it's been 15 or so years, right, since Jesus walked the earth. That man is also the same guy we've been talking about all the way back in Deuteronomy, all the way back from when we were freed um, as uh, slaves from Egypt, right? All the way since back then, he's taking Jesus and putting it on equal footing. So it's really kind of neat teaching. So saying, hey, you know there's only one God, and that same one God, in case you're Jewish and weren't aware, is also Jesus. So that's really cool. What is the first part of Paul's answer to the question? Okay, so I didn't mention this in the beginning. Paul's answer to this question from the, Cor the Corinthians is going to have two parts. What's the answer to the first part? Can we eat food that's offered to idols? Paul's answer is what? Yes. Well, yes. yes no's later. No is later. <laughs> yeah. It's both. It's well, yes. Yes, with a qualification for people who don't yes, feel, yes. feel right about it. But that's the next section. Right. First part of the answer is yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you know. You, you know there's no other God. You know everything else is just hunks of wood or made-up ideas or Satan trying to deceive people. There isn't a Zeus out there. There isn't a Hercules out there. There isn't a Aphrodite out there. You know who the one true Lord and God is, who is Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't see a problem there. And to give you a bit of context, the reason why they're asking this question is in, at this time, within not Greco, just Greco-Roman culture, but also in Corinth, there were... All the temples were kind of, they're like a combination of a grocery store and Chuck E. Cheese. And what I mean by that is you would go to the temple for every birthday party and family event. 
So, uh, Grandma's having a birthday party. Little Johnny's having a birthday party. Let's go to the local temple. Where are we going to have it? I don't know. Let's do the Temple of Zeus. Why? Because lightning's cool, and my son likes lightning. Just like how my son likes dinosaurs, maybe my son likes Zeus, because the stories about Zeus are cool. So we have his birthday party there. So there are these big community centers as well. So you would eat food, sacrifice to those gods in that place. Second part being, uh, there are two ways in which like, you would go to get meat if you wanted meat for your family. as like a grocery item. You would go to like a, a meat market, which is often very expensive. But the temples also offered um, a way for you to buy meat for your family. So you could go there and it's like, oh, I'm going to Zeus today and I'm going to go pick up a pot roast. It's not exactly, you kind of get the idea though. And you'd go and pick up your pot roast that's been slaughtered in there as a sacrifice to Zeus and now they would sell you that meat. Mm-hmm. So they asked us for two questions. One, it's a lot cheaper to get meat at the local temple. Can I buy meat at the local temple? And if someone sees me eating, you know, meat at the Chuck E. Cheese Aphrodite, you know, for my son's birthday or my, grand, my, my, my cousin's birthday... Is that going to be wrong if people see me eating it? Right. Yep. So the answer, the first part of the answer, which we'll get to the second part in a second, it's like, yeah. Paul's like, whatever. You know the real truth. So it's like if you told me this tea, didn't you know that Lipton tea was is a sacrifice to the god Baal? I'd say cheers, and I would drink it. Because <laughs> I know it doesn't really matter. But then the second part of the answer comes... We're going to do all of chapter 8 today. In verse 7. I don't... Uh, it's such a long I, chapter. It's, a, it's, a, it's such a long chapter. And I have to say it like this in a not not proud way. This is an easy chapter. You know, it, Paul's not... It's not like you need six pages of historical context on Paul's married, possible married life and what it means. And we're breaking down Greek words. Paul's really straightforward in this one because it's kind of an easy topic. But you have to realize chapter 8 is the beginning of this topic as it goes into chapter 9, 10, and 11. So this is the, the simpleton answer of yes and no. And now here's why, is what happens in chapter 9. Let's read uh, verses 7 through 9. Someone could read 7 through 9 for me. Uh, uh, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having be, been sacrificed to a god and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Mm-hmm. The food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Great, thank you. So you that verse 7. The knowledge which we define as what? So what's the knowledge he's talking about? That idols are they're, they're nothing. Not yeah. They're not real. They're not God. So some people don't possess this knowledge. You have to realize... Um, here in, in Corinth, a lot of these Christians are A, new, or B, not Christian yet, or just coming into Christianity. Remember, they see Jesus and God as one of the pantheon of gods that you can choose from. Some of them don't possess the knowledge that you have that A, everybody else is nothing, and B, that there is only one true God. Still a custom or form of association. That's why I was kind of like, Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Do you know what Chuck E. Cheese is? Is this just a, mm. a pizza mm. just place for kids? Pizza, and it's got games, and there's yeah. every birthday party happens there. That's yeah. what I meant by it. It becomes a community involvement center where there's activities, things like that. Disneyland at the pizza parlor. Yeah. Disneyland at the pizza parlor, yep, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. So we know the knowledge, and there are people who don't possess it. And is this where he talks about weak conscience as well? Yes. Yes, okay. 
We haven't checked the cheese here. I don't think we. No, have no we're in here. No. no. That's why. That's why when I wrote that, I, I just had the realization. I'm like, does anyone here know what Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even Chucky like the name. It should be Chuck well. Space Capital E Cheese. Yes. Yeah. I think the closest we have here is Outer Limits. Outer Limits, very that's similar to that. Yeah, very similar to that, where you see everybody coming in, and that's what the picture I want you to get is there's like six birthday parties happening at the same time. That's what the temple was like back then. Oh, yeah. You booked your table, and everyone was having parties in it. Uh, still a custom former association. Also with that former association piece, people would say, let's say it's either A, they're not a Christian, or B, they're a brand new Christian. A brand new Christian being like, okay, well, but I remember that one time that like my Aunt Gertrude was trying to get pregnant, and we went and had lunch at Aphrodite's temple, and then all of a sudden, two weeks later, she got pregnant. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, maybe <laughs> right? Maybe not. Maybe not. But these, these are brand new Christians being introduced to the idea of, well, maybe, maybe, there, maybe there is God, but maybe the other gods just maybe aren't quite as big gods. Maybe they still have some sort of influence over us. So you, you, I don't know if you've been around people that have to shake off kind of an old belief. Right? But it's exactly like that because their understanding came from somewhere else. So basically they're doing the same things that the Jews did after they left Egypt wandering through the desert. Yep. Well, our God was a God over here, but he's not our God here, so we'll, we'll try what the, the other gods of this area are. Doing. Sure, exa it's exactly it. Because they're, humans are stupid. Humans are, <laughs> humans are stupid, but also, um, dare I say it, if you, were, if you weren't in Aaron's class, that's okay. If you didn't do his Bible class last, last semester, but consider it like this. Our understanding and our basis for seeing the world came from someplace. Mm -hmm. And often what that class referred to is all these old, you'd say almost ancient philosophers. Well, how would they have an impact on today? And then you kind of see how it progressed into our, our mind society now. It's the same thing then. Their understanding is based from somewhere else. So therefore, they still don't have their head completely wrapped around this whole God thing. And you consider the, Egypt, the, the Jews that came from Egypt, time of Exodus, we look at the, when Moses comes down from, you know, Mount Sinai and they're worshiping a golden calf, and you go, where did they get that from? How stupid can they be? Yes, they were stupid, but I'm stupid too. That's a bad word. We tell our kids we can't, they can't say that or idiot. They can't say those two words yet anyway. Um, it's an adult word, yes. And I say that, well, their understanding and their basis, although they tried to hold on as a remnant of God's people, still came from a culture in which... That was their ideal, right? That's what they thought of. When they wanted to worship uh, you know, the god of Ra, they not only went to his temple, they looked at a symbol. And they're like, oh, we need to worship something physical. So they melted all their rings into a golden calf. It's like, okay, I could see why they did it. It was still wrong. And that's why Moses was so mad. He's like, can't you, can't you see everything God's told you about this is wrong? They're just like these Corinthians. They hadn't had their head completely wrapped around this knowledge of the one true God. Yeah. yeah, Gina? And regarding idols, um, people that prayed to the deceased, mm -hmm. the husband or mm -hmm. so forth, that they think have now become a god. Oh, yeah? Your comments on that? My comments on that? Yes. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but how can I influence somebody yeah. that, uh, that that's wrong? How can you influence? So, Paul... Instead of in, just saying you're wrong. Sure, sure. Okay. In, 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 this, in this instance, you'll, you'll, so you'll kind of see actually what Paul's talking about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, he'll talk about your Christian freedoms and what you can do. 
For example, he's saying, as a Christian, you can eat food offered to an idol. Because why? It doesn't matter. What if someone from a different background or a weaker faith now sees you doing that? And you'll see by the end of it, Paul's talking about not necessarily evangelism, but uh, sanctification. How can you be more like Christ? He says, it's up to you to sacrifice, to give up your privileges and your freedoms in Christ for the sake of your brother who's weaker than you. So, uh, yeah, you wouldn't tell them that you're wrong. Right. right? Uh, but what would, in this instance, what Paul's talking about right now, um, you, the best thing you could do is, like, you know that's nothing, but in the same sense, embracing it would allow them to think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Just like um, if you've been a parent, right, or you, you're trying to set an example in the classroom, you don't want, everyone will, the way children learn is they will copy exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. And if I stomp around, if I yell at my wife, if I start slamming doors, what are they going to start doing when they get mad? They'll do the same thing. As a Christian, I'm called to set an example and lead by that example. And maybe I'm free to, well, gosh, this, this chapter is often used to describe all the adiaphora we encounter as Christians, meaning the things neither commanded nor forbidden. Can a Christian go see a rated R movie? Can a Christian smoke cigarettes? Can a Christian go, uh, we, we see recreational drugs now and like marijuana being legalized in areas of the United States. Can a Christian go and still smoke marijuana? Can they go and have alcohol? Can tattoos, Christians do these piercings. things? Yeah. yeah, tattoos and piercings are another one, right? Mm. All these things. Can a Christian do these things? Can we and eat pork? Can we eat pork? <laughs> yep. Can they change Paul, their Paul, sex? Paul answers that question, though. <laughs> he says, yeah. He says, like God said, let there be bacon. And there is bacon. Um, all these questions where we go, I don't know. And then maybe we go someplace and we see, in some instances, um, having a beer. We call it a yellow light, right? Adiaphora, neither commanded nor forbidden. As a, as a Christian, an example of being, I'm free to partake of alcohol, no problem. I'm not free to get drunk, but I could, have, I could have a beer, glasses of wine, whatever I want. But what about my friend who, for that, Paul will talk about this later, whose conscience is weaker than mine? Mm-hmm. Meaning, one that if they start having a few drinks, they become belligerent and out of control. Mm-hmm. One who has had to walk away from any type of alcohol consumption because it is... Uh, poison them heart, soul, mind, and body, and it takes them away from Christ and away from God and becomes a temptation they can't help but give into. What am I supposed to do now? Right? Well, I may have been free to have uh, beer and wine before, and I still am, but for the sake of my brother, I should not partake. In fact, Paul will say, I'll give up all meat ever again. I'll never eat meat, period, again, for the sake of my brother who may be weaker than me. And, and, and it gets pretty severe. Jesus will say to himself, those of you who cause those weaker than you, these little ones, to stumble, it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the ocean. It's like, oh, man, but Jesus, that's kind of harsh. Well, I've given you a wonderful gift to much who's given, much is expected. So I've given you this great gift of freedom. Don't flaunt it to cause other people to fall into sin. Use it for the sake of those that are around you. So I know I got ahead of myself. I don't know if that helped. Oftentimes it's, um, in this chapter anyway, there will be other sections that can address your question more, okay. more straightforward. But in this one, the first part is mm-hmm. do not partake of things that can be misinterpreted mm-hmm. for the sake of one who has a weaker conscience <clears throat> than you. And then to further witness to them, I mean, not, not just abstaining, mm-hmm. but then as yep. going why that's a stumbling block and... Mm-hmm. Um, eventually getting to the truth of who God is and 
Yes. Freedom. Yeah. And that, that's all a process. But what Paul's talking about, the very first step, is people will see that you're a Christian by the way that you act, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus, it's one of my favorite scriptural references. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Just the, we forget the actual witness part of witnessing. Mm-hmm. Like people seeing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what Paul's talking about. Yeah. People will see what you're doing. And maybe you're going to see a radar movie. Uh, maybe it's one that's, I don't know. I'm, again, you could disagree with me. I'm, not, I'm just making up examples. Maybe you go see the movie, I don't know, Speed with Keanu Reeves. And it's rated R because um, he he's, uses a touch of foul language and there's violence in it. Because mm-hmm. the bus is out of control and it hits somebody. Right? I'm not saying that's a movie you should go and see. I'm just saying... They, they have it rated R for that reason. Then there's a rated R movie because of um, um, huge amounts of nudity and sex and, and the mm-hmm. acceptance of it in culture and how it's good for you and sends a different message. It's like, okay. Now, I could tell people, I, I don't mind telling you I saw the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves. I just said it. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I, well, yeah, it's got some goriness to it, but you know, I like thrillers and mysteries and excitement. Okay. I won't tell you I went and saw um, whatever this movie is, huh? Fifty Shades of Grey, right? <laughs> and I, and so I'm not saying, if you saw it, I'm not judging you right now, but I wouldn't say I, re- I haven't read those books. Why? I don't like the message they communicate. Right. And if people ask me, why haven't you done this? I'll be, like, I'll be like, well, I didn't. You know, they come to me to tell me all about it. Well, I haven't read that book. Why? Yeah. Well, I just don't really like what it communicates. Oh. Well, you know, why is that? I'm just bored Because <laughs> every, everyone else has read it. And it's like, yeah, it's just not, you know. It's good. It, it really conflicts with the way that I personally believe and feel I should communicate love to a spouse, right? I know of them. I don't know them. So don't, don't get defensive about them if you've read them and you're like, they're amazing. I'm, I'm not directly talking about them. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Can someone turn to that? Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, uh, 1, 3, 13 through 18. I know my number's real good, he said. This is Paul again, by the way. Galatians 5, 13 through 18. Okay, I got it here. Uh, um, Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another, humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And uh, so, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Thank you, Paul. As you listen to that, if you could make it into an arithmetic-based equation, what would you do? What would that What would that equation look like? I don't know. This plus this <laughs> equals this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. Uh, you walk by the Spirit, and that equals, uh, I guess, righteousness or good. Or sure, sure. You're the cool. right thing. So, so, so Chris, you're getting the right idea. A Christian, 
<laughs> plus walking in the spirit equals love for the sake of your neighbor. Love for the sake of your neighbor. Yep. Okay. In fact, if you made that equation shorter, love equals things for the sake of your neighbor. A Christian's love should always be for the sake of someone's neighbor, right? So we get the self-love and the self-thing. Sure, sure. Like, you should take care of yourself. I'm not telling you not to take care of yourself. I'm not telling you to kick back in a chair, have a cup of hot chocolate, and read the rest of Christmas Carol, which is what I did yesterday. And I had marshmallows <laughs> in it. There was nothing about that really for the sake of my neighbor. That was, that was self-care. That was me relaxing, getting ready not to to be with you all today, not to deal with you all, to be with you all today, <laughs> right? Because the, the love that I really do is for the sake of my neighbor. And that's what Paul's talking about here. When we talk about knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So you see how he references that all the time. The true Christian love should always result in uh, I don't know, love for the sake of your neighbor or works yes. for the sake of your neighbor. Uh, last section. What if what if neighbor is very evil? and tries to twist words and throw daggers at you constantly. Okay. It, uh, just a hypothetical, okay? Yeah. Hi, uh, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> uh, love, what do you think love is? Mm. What, what, is what is love to you? Well, I was asking you the question and then <laughs> Oh, did I give you the answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I so, was thinking it was turning the other cheek. Yeah. Right. I, I like that one. But what does turning the other cheek mean? Not playing into their evilness. When you look at that section, what it means to turn the other cheek, it means to, the way it's actually translated is to offer them the other cheek also. What it means is Paul and I got off on a bad foot. And I, I don't know, I must have said something that was bad. He turned around and, you know, he said some stuff about me. And he hurt me. Or it's as if he slapped me across the face. Do I now turn and return, do I return the strike to him? No. I offer him the other cheek also, meaning I offer you the chance to kiss my cheek rather than to hit it. It means I offer you a fresh start. There's a fresh start between us. That doesn't mean that I forget the pain that happened on the side. I've just chosen to take that pain, turn it aside, and offer us a fresh start. If a neighbor's, you know, I don't know, being cruel, being mean, love doesn't mean that there's a... I'm working through something right now. I don't. I mean, it's personally like it's a, it's a big thing. It's like a theological thought. Can can forgiveness and justice exist in the same space? Mm -hmm. And you you kind of I dare I say it like this. The cheap grace answer is of course not. Forgiveness is the elimination of justice. And I'm like, but God is justice, but also the one who forgives our sins. And the justice was was fulfilled taken out on Christ when that forgiveness happened. You know, Pastor Dingle mentioned today, like, the uh, forgiveness, he uses the word forgiveness means, uh, I don't know, fulfillment or like a canceled debt kind of thing, or that it's fully paid. paid. That it's paid for, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's still paid for. Um, can I forgive someone? You know, I, I read a story not long ago about um, a family, and this family, their, their son was murdered. And they went to the man's trial and told him that he forgave them. The family said that we forgive you for the evil that you've done. But the man still went to prison. Mm -hmm. Was that Christian forgiveness? Like real forgiveness? Or was forgiveness going to be, now you don't go to prison? Mm -hmm. I yeah. say all these questions because they're difficult. Because my answer would be no. 
it would not be forget. It would it would uh, no. Hold on, how am I saying it? That for you could still forgive somebody and still send them to prison. There's consequences. Well, well, uh, well. Consequences. Is it, is it all of a sudden, you're getting to the realm of justice, though. Are we? But that's is it, what justice yeah, but is. is. Is the is mm -hmm. the prison the cultural side versus the. The so you're, you're getting to two kingdoms now, right? Okay. Left-hand kingdom being the, work, the, the way the world operates and works. You will always have consequences. If, if, I, if I steal my neighbor's donkey, he's going to be mad and probably come knock on my door and try and take his donkey back. I know that's, a, that's like an ancient example, but if you steal from somebody, they'll be mad. If you steal from Target, they will probably try and stop you, and you will go to jail for shoplifting. Well, hold on. What if Target forgives me? Okay, does that mean you should get off for shoplifting too? It's like, it's, it's this odd balance between the world of the left and the world of the right. In this, can I forgive somebody and still not have justice? <clears throat> or can I have justice? If I have justice, that means I haven't forgiven them. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back to where we were talking about with this. Um, mm -hmm. Can you forgive your neighbor yet still tell them to stop? I'd say the answer is yes. Forgiveness isn't a free pass to, for you to continue sinning. If I really wanted to show what I believe love is for you, I would want you to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Because if it wasn't me, it's going to be somebody else. You know, I can forgive you for coming home late being intoxicated. I, I should talk to you afterwards the next morning and be like, you shouldn't do that. And if you continue to do that, I will take actions to ensure you endure those consequences to feel... Uh, uh, not just a bit of the pain, but hopefully to feel repentance. Paul talks about this way earlier in Corinthians, right? The guy who has his mother-in-law, the guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law unapologetically, yeah. Paul says the best thing you could do for him is excommunicate him from the church so he could feel the wrath and the spirit of the law in what Satan has in store for him, right? He says put him underneath the kingdom of Satan so that he can see his wrongdoing and repent and come back to church. Um, so my answer to you so would be, he, and if he you forgive them and you yeah. offer them a fresh start, but you start yeah. at point A, you don't yeah. start at point, point Y, yeah. right? Paul's talking about point Y. I'm talking about somewhere at like in between, like O, right, the letter O. Start at A with uh, forgiveness. I hope this doesn't happen again. I'll offer you a fresh start. Be, hey, you know me, and uh, I want to talk to you about it because I just want to let you know what you're doing is really hurting and impacting me. Okay. And um, I just... You know, I forgive you for it, but I need to let you know that is having an effect. Point three, okay, hey, you're, you're still doing this to me. I feel like you're targeting me. Do you, do you really hate me for some reason? Have I done something so much to offend you? No? Okay, well, well please stop doing it. All right, now I'm at the letter K. Hey, you know, all right, I got I to gotta, I gotta take steps forward to, like, seek some legal counsel because what you're doing is continuing to damage me. And although I forgive you for it, I can't have it keep happening, right? So all these things can be progressive. Is that, that's a very long answer to your question, and kind of incomplete. <laughs> Yay. So. No, no, it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, a lot of points to it. But let's read 10 through 13. Um, I'll read it. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother from whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I may never eat meat, lest, my brother, uh, lest I make my brother stumble. So, uh, 
all the vegans in the room cheer at this one. <laughs> verse 10, just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's, I forgot who told me that, but that's a phrase from like my childhood. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Um, you take your kid to a toy store. If you know putting your child in a, in a car and taking them to a toy store, they cannot resist saying, I need to have a toy for myself. And they will cry and they will kick and they will scream. Is it a good idea to throw your child into that temptation when you're buying something for somebody else and they can't have anything? They, they'll have to learn sometime, but the answer is probably no. If you take my wife to Old Navy, she will buy something. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but if I want to throw her into a, a, a pool in which I want her, I think she will... That temptation would be too great for an man. Why would I put her in that position in the first place? If you take me to Costco, <laughs> I will buy something. <laughs> At least it is my weakness. <laughs> Why? Because I could get I could get two you know huge tri-tip roasts for like forty bucks. I'll at least go home with the tri-tip. At least. Why? Because I could eat, I, I love, I love the tri-tip, and I'll throw it on my smoker. It'll be delicious. But why? If I why would I put myself in a situation to fail already? Meaning, just because you can doesn't mean you should. If I wouldn't, you wouldn't take me to Costco if you didn't want me to buy something. You wouldn't take my children to a toy store if you didn't expect to get them a toy. Therefore, would I sit here and eat food offered to idols in your face if, therefore, it would make you think it's okay and you would get some too, even if it's you going against your conscience? The answer is no. That's why Paul's saying you have to give up your righteousness because you can... Eat meat offered to idols in front of others doesn't mean that you should for the sake of your brother who's weaker than you. Right? Luther talks about this idolatry of materialism. As Luther states, idolatry does not consist merely of erecting an image and praying to it. It is, pri- uh, pr- it is primarily in the heart, which pursues other things and seeks help and consolations from creatures, saints, or devils. Right? I love that second part. Oh, I don't love it. It's a, ba- it's a bad thing. I love the explanation of it. Because we often think idolatry is, you know, the praying to Baal, the praying to the erected image, or like the, uh, the wooden mask I found in, in the woods. We, we take it so simply. What it really means is, who do I go to for comfort? Who do I go to and I seek uh, help and assistance from? Do I turn to, he says, idolatry of materialism? Do I turn to alcohol? Do I turn to drugs? Do I turn to shopping? Do I, do I turn to indulgence, which is like buying things for myself or, or going out to eat you know, by myself? Do I turn to other things when I should be turning to Christ instead? What else do I turn to that's not God? Because that's what real idolatry is, because that's where I'm seeking refuge and, and, and safety and what does he say? Primarily things of the heart, right? Help and consolation is what he goes to. Could be creatures, right? Could be my dog. Could be my wife. Could be my children. Anything that I see, because they validate me, right? My wife and children and, and my dog, they validate me. Uh, saints, that's, that being other people or devils, right? Practices, do I, do I give into things on the computer? Do I just want to zone out and I turn on a bunch of movies so I don't have to deal with the problem and just sit on my couch? That's the idolatry of materialism. Um, let me see. That's breaking the first commandment. I mentioned that already. Sinning against your brothers, placing your freedom over the other. Yep. Uh, there's other stuff, but I think that's all I want to say about that. Say anything else? Another point? I know I did. Verse 11 through 12. An indulgence, which may be the ruin of someone else, is not a pleasure, but a sin. 
I read I, these are two quotes that I read just as I was getting ready for class, and I thought they were awesome. The first one being, "An indulgence, which may be the ruin of someone else, is not a pleasure but a sin." Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to add to that. That's pretty cool, though. Huh? Uh -huh. Well said. Many such people must be forever removed from their former so oh so yeah their former associations, including the returning to their former haunts for evangelism, because the grip of their former life is so tenacious. So I asked this question: What's it like hanging out with your old friends at times? You know, when you go and you hang out with your old friends or like your family, don't you kind of fall into the roles that you always had? You know, I go, I, I'm hanging out with my sisters. I, I fall into the role of mostly peacekeeper and getting beat up. But <laughs> that was my that was my role in the family. That was my that was, that was a middle my child. Oh, no. Yeah, older sister and a younger sister. I was the one that's like, let's stop hurting each other, and then please stop hurting me. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if you see certain old friends, right, you start to laugh the same way. And sometimes it's really great. It's like you never skipped a beat. But what if you made those friends when you were, like, 20 and 21? What do they want to do? Sometimes I encounter our friends and they're like, man, let's go, just like the old days, let's go to the bar and close it down. Let's be there till 4 a.m. And I'm like, I go to bed at, like, 9. Like, <laughs> and if I, if I have, ha like, a beer, I feel bloated. And I can't do it, like, within an hour before going to sleep. But okay, <laughs> but oftentimes you, f you get convinced, don't you? Yeah. You get drawn into those old roles like a gravitational force. Uh, this section over here, you know, without, I don't mean to make light of this, and I would never make light of someone else's trauma or, or addiction or things like that. Oftentimes we'll hear, hey, you came from a place of hard, uh, where it was hard and, and you were troubled and you climbed out of it. God pulled you out of there. Don't you want to go back in and be the force for good amongst those people? You hear that a lot. And the answer sometimes needs to be no. I can't get next to that because I will fall into sin. You know, it will draw me like a gravitational force. We, we belittle um, addiction and we belittle trauma like that so easily when in fact it needs to be more of a place of caution than anything. Yeah, there's great stories where people are witnessing to one another awesome. But being a pastor, you know, not here, but being in Twin Falls... I have seen men who have tried to do this and it has failed miserably. And they're like, I just don't know how it happened. It's like, and I read this and I'm like, oh man. And it brings us to this last point. We don't have time to discuss it. But is faith a public or private matter? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, not, he knows all my questions. Uh, why and how does it interact with verse 12? You know, you've already kind of gotten the idea. Yes, it's a private matter. You have the true knowledge. You should know that you can eat bacon sacrifice to Elon Musk. You know, and it's fine. It, doesn't, it means literally nothing. <coughs> but what about for those who are weaker than you? Then it's also a public matter. Then it's also a public matter. Hey, I need, I need, maybe I shouldn't do this in front of others. It's not like you need to hide your bacon, but you, you get the <laughs> idea. For the sake of my brother who's weaker than me, Maybe at home I can have a glass of wine with dinner, but when I'm out with these guys in our recovery program, I shouldn't bring a bottle of wine and say, well, it's your problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. So is pocket bacon not acceptable? Pocket bacon. <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> Ross has got it in his coat. You know, he opens it up just right there, the bacon pocket. <laughs> and as much as we make, we make light of it because we kind of get it, but that's also the idea. Yeah. It's like it's a private and a public matter. Yes, you're free, but your freedom was given to you because Christ gave up his very own life. And to love others as he's loved us, what did he give up? He gave up his freedom for the sake of the brothers and sisters that were weaker than him. Therefore, if you want to love like he does, 
we give up our freedom for the sake of those that are weaker than us. Excellent. That's, that's what this chapter is about. <laughs> Questions, comments, concerns? This goes so fast. When I think I have like too little planned, it, Gina asks a question that takes 10 minutes. Oh. So, <laughs> but job. everyone benefited <laughs> from it. Everybody did. No, it was great. <laughs> good discussion. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift in which you've given to us, the sacrifice, Jesus, of your very own life uh, for the redemption of our sin, to win us back from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Lord, uh, it's, it's unfathomable to us. Just absolutely incredible that you would give so much of your very own self and your very own freedom. And then, Lord, even continuing then, you resurrect us with you. You, you. you were resurrected and sent into heaven. And, Lord, every sin from then forward and on, you continue to forgive. And Lord, as you have loved us, you call us to love others, and we cannot do that without your help. We cannot do it without your assistance, your divine inspiration, being led by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, help our love equal building up others. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Help us listen to it, and help us, um, especially these next upcoming weeks, but also here on and, and going forth as we reflect on the season of Advent in which you gave, we just see the beginning of what you've given to us and how it will continue going forevermore. So thank you for that. Thank you for this time together. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. Amen.